Computer, initialize Holosuite. Good evening and welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I am one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 4, Episode 20, Shattered Mirror. Before we continue, you can find us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. That is correct, and as I say every single week... You should find us and follow us because we're a pretty good time. I think we're pretty awesome, and I think that you'll enjoy the things we talk about on the show. Um, as David said, tonight we are talking about a sh- the Shattered Mirror episode, which means we'll be dealing with the Mirror Universe, which, as I've indicated many times before, I am not a fan of the Mirror <laughs> Universe, just in general. Now, I'm sure we'll get into some of that when we talk tonight, um, but um, yeah, stay tuned for that. But until we get there, as always, I'd like to check in. So, David, how has your week been? It's been fine. Um, I've been reading the book American Prometheus, uh, The uh, Triumph and Tragedy of J. Op- Op- J. Robert Oppenheimer, uh, which was the, uh, the basis for the book uh, Oppenheimer, uh, the movie that I've mentioned before. Um, about halfway through almost. It's about 600 pages, so about halfway through almost. And uh, it's, it's been fun, fun to read, see where the movie used inspiration from the book uh, for for uh, different things, see where maybe some differences uh, fall in. Um, I, it's, it's a better read than I was expecting. I was worried that the, the book was going to be kind of dry, and it's not. It's been a page-turner, uh, just because it's well-written, um, if anything else. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I met Frats mentioned last week, but I started watching the so sh- the show Suits. I mentioned it to you after we got off last week, and you and I talked a little bit about it. But I figured I'd mention it here. Uh, it's it's a fine show. It's the show that Meghan Markle got famous on. Uh, she's one of the main cast members, one of the six main cast members. She's the weakest link of the six. You know, she's <laughs> she's basically there to be the love interest for the main character, Mike, and. Uh, I think his love interest from season one was better. <laughs> He's just okay. the one okay. that, you know, he works with her. And so the tension is, is that, you know, he works with someone he is attracted to as opposed to the girl that he's known for years. <laughs> so at the beginning of season two, his girlfriend from season one breaks up with him. And now he's free to date Meghan Markle's character. And eh, again, she's not the best part of the show. The other parts of it are fine. Um, it's mainly okay. about, you know, lawyer stuff, which is fun. You know, law dramas are usually fun. So, yeah. How about you? Anything new with you? Well, um, it's been a little bit since I've uh, updated about any particular show, because I just seem to be in a rut of watching, like, I guess the same shows for a bit there. Um, I did finish watching Tulsa King. That's the um, Sylvester Stallone show that's on Paramount. I thought it was great. Like, as I said before, when I, I think I did talk about when I had begun watching it, um, uh, you have to get past a little bit of the Sylvester Stallone-esque 
you know, <laughs> he's he's got a very distinct way of talking and his, you know, just yeah. his kind of mannerisms, you know, and you have to, you, you do have to, you know, work your way through that. But if you do, and then you can really immerse yourself in the show, it's really not bad. It's, there's a lot of action. It's surprisingly funny. Um, there are just a lot of little things about it that I just enjoy. And then, like, he's got a great complimentary cast that help take some of the burden off of him doing everything and being the main vehicle on the show. So I think I, really, I, think I like it for that reason as well. Um, like I said, I kind of go through and I cycle through shows. I was, um, I watched Farscape again and, you know, I picked up on some other smatterings of like uh, other Trek shows. Of course, I finished, uh, Strange New Worlds. The final episode of the second season just came out. Um, watched that. I thought it was a great ending. It's the first cliffhanger, like true cliffhanger uh, in Trek that we've had in quite a while. Everything else had always been like kind of a continuation of story. So there was never a need to see the legit, you know, to be continued screen at the end of an episode. There was just no need for that. Now they've kind of, you know, they've gone back to that old kind of episodic format. We do see that again. And so we we get it here. Um, I like the direction the show is going. I think they're doing a lot of great things on Strange New World. Um, I got accused of gatekeeping when I was talking about the show to some, uh, like a mixed group of people uh, not long ago, which I thought was strange because the whole reason I was talking about the show was going, gosh, you got to watch it. Like, come watch it. You got to, you got to see the show. (laughs) So I feel like that was like the opposite of gatekeeping because I was like, I'm not trying to keep anybody out. I want everybody to watch the show. So um, we did also talk about, you know, of course the SAG after strike again, you know, keeping abreast of that situation. Uh, Noting the number of shows now that as the weeks progress, a lot of shows are, you know, their seasons are over. And through those, especially through those modified runs now, you know, we don't see uh, seasons of certainly not of 20 to 24 episodes um, a season anymore. We see 13 being the maximum, 10 being more common. And now a lot of those shows are done. So by the time... by the time they work up through whatever the negotiation is going to be and getting, you know, crews back to work and everything else, it's probably going to be a couple of years before we see some shows again. So I think right. that that's very interesting. We're getting ready to hit a wall. Well, there, there is nothing. There is no television. There's no <laughs> new shows. So uh, I guess now would be the great time for you to get caught up on like all the shows you hear people talking about that you haven't yeah. seen. Yeah. Now it'd be a great time to go and figure, find out if you want to watch them or not, because um, they'll be new to you. you know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's why I keep my so, HBO subscription. I haven't watched it on HBO for months now, and I'm always like, I should just yeah, you know, I'm the same. I was de- I was debating that too, and then I actually turned mine on. Like I went and used it today right. for the first time in a while. Because I mean, like I've heard the Wire is great. I haven't seen it. The Wire is great. The Shield was be great. The Sopranos is supposed to be. Oh, the Shield first. is a the Shield is a great show. I remember when it was on FX yeah. years and years ago. Right. That was a show like I had to like sneak I, and watch because I, I wasn't allowed. Max. Yeah. Well, I I haven't updated to the new Max app, so I part of me has been like, oh, I don't want to go to the hassle of like having to re-download everything because I think you have to re-download like their new app or something. Oh, do you? I. But, I I've never used the the H. I never used the HBO Max app. I just used you know my my TV, my computer, my whatever you know, and just well, had it there. I think my TV might my TV uses apps, 
We have I, I haven't looked into it, so I don't know if I can just use my old Macs app or if it has to be updated or something. But anyway, you're right. But my point is, is that yeah, I'll probably end up watching old shows just because I hear they're great, and now's the time. So <laughs> yeah, my brother-in-law is on me to watch Breaking Bad because yes, I'm in that I guess random rare minority of people who's never seen a single episode of Breaking Bad. I've seen I know season the, one, yeah. Uh, I know the premise of the show, but I've never watched a single episode. So, um, yeah. yeah, he's like, yeah, watch it, watch it. I'm like, okay, like, chill. So I think I'm going to try to, like, bribe him and be like, okay, I'll watch this show, but you've got to watch something that, you know, I pick, you know, right. and then we'll, you know, trade. Right. So, um but yeah, I mean, that's essentially been it. I was still doing the workouts and stuff. I finally got more into, like, I did some more investigating and um, uh, learning really about how to strength train for strongman competitions. It's a lot different than, you know, just, you know, like a, whatever, what you might consider a standard workout. Like when you think of people bodybuilding in the gym, you know, you probably have a stereotypical image that comes to mind with that. Um, strongman competition training is a lot different. And so I'm just starting to really, um, like understand a lot of that and get into doing more of those actual strongman, uh, like event things like, you know, probably the most famous one is, you know, the car pool or the truck pool or whatever it is you see those or the Atlas stones where they got to lift those up and, and things like that. So, um, and then there's another one, it's like the yoke thing where it's like it, like an apparatus that's over your head and kind of rests on your shoulders and you're walking for time with that and everything else. So there's a bunch of those, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm keeping it going and trying to do it in a healthy manner. I don't want to blow out a knee or break my back or anything else doing any of this stuff. So, but as always, we are not here to talk about any of that. We are here to talk about, uh, the Cisco's we checked in with the O'Briens last week. Now we're with the Cisco's this week, and we get some Mirror Universe action. So, um, do you want me to give the summation, or do you want to do it? Uh, if you're up for it, you can go for it. I did it last week. All right. So. All right. Well, uh, all right, that's fine. So this episode starts with uh, Jake. We get to see Jake for the first time in a while. Um, he's kind of just, you know, pounding around the station. He's a little bored. He's a little listless. You know, Nog's gone, so he's lost his buddy. And he's on the promenade, and Odo comes up to him, and he thinks Odo's going to chase him away. But Odo doesn't. He kind of alludes, you know, doesn't kind of allude. He basically states he only ever really chased him away when it was Nog, because Nog was a problem child. And, you know, if you think about it, Nog was a problem child. Before they showed up on the station, he was, you know, the very first episode, he was partnered up with some criminal, and he was playing lookout while he broke in and st- while the criminal stole stuff from the shop. So Nog was a was a bad kid. Right. Um, you know, so then Jake leaves the promenade, walks into their quarters where he finds his dad on the couch with what appears to be his mom. Now, we all know from the previous Mirror Universe episode that they did that while this is Jennifer Sisko, it's not the Jennifer Sisko. This is right. Mirror Universe Jennifer Sisko. Professor right. Sisko, as she right. reminds us. Right. She's come, and it seems like she's there just to kind of visit with Ben and, and Jake. But in reality, she's there to recruit Ben because the uh, alliance on the other side of the mirror there has uh, stolen the plans of the Defiant 
and has built their own version of the Defiant, but it's got all kinds of issues, and they want Cisco Sr. to come back and fix it. Um, she kidnaps Jake to make sure that Ben comes to the Mirror Universe. Also, conveniently, they make it so that O'Brien and Kira can't go with him into the Mirror Universe. Right. More on that. Obviously, when he beams over to the Mirror Universe, he's greeted by Mirror Universe O'Brien, Smiley, as he's known over there, <laughs> who lets him know about the whole plan of what's going on and, and why and, and so forth. So in the Mirror Universe, the Terrans have broken free of the Brutal Alliance, and they now are in control of Tarek Nor, their version of Deep Space Nine. But they can't hold it unless they can get their version of the Defiant up and running. That's why they need Cisco. He at first d doesn't agree to do any of the work, but then when they're like, well, we're not going to let you go home until you do it, he's like, fine. So he does. This also gives Jake ample time to spend with uh, his mirror mom, basically. And uh, even though he recognizes that she's not quite the same, there's enough of her that is the same that makes him be like, yeah, this this works for me, basically. Right. Uh, ben warns his son not to get too close to her, but he's not listening. That's not going to happen. And they only have like four days to repair the Defiant and get it up and running because the Alliance, having you know heard about the defeat of Intendant Kira and Garrick and all the rest of them and the loss of the station to these rebels, has decided to come in full force to take the station back. So the, the Alliance of Mara is on the way, led by the Regent, the Emperor himself, Worf. <laughs> and oh, again, he's the it's, emperor. Yes, that's, that's I didn't the other, catch that. Oh, yeah, Re okay. regent, regent slash emperor Worf. Okay, has come, all right, keep has going. come through. Yes. Wow. He, okay. So I he is that. in command. Yes, but I mean, and it's Worf, but he's not our Worf. Like nope. he's very aggressive. He's very, you know, you he's know, demanding. He had been a Klingon the whole time. Never. Well, I was gonna say like he was like a dumbed down version because he's also he's not too bright. Like he doesn't seem to be too <laughs> too smart here. You know, uh, Garrick has he's got Garrick on a chain leash, and Garrick is trying to basically point the finger of blame for the loss of the station onto Intendant Kira, who is otherwise missing. Okay. And so Garrick is basically like, yeah, I was just following her orders, and it's her fault that the slaves rebelled and got the better of the station security and, and, and so forth. Worf is just kind of stumbling, not stumbling around, but he's just stomping around mad about life, basically, and has decided that they're going to go over there and they're going to just, you know, kill everybody. So they find out about the Defiant being built, so they now increase their speed to get there even sooner, which now their countdown has gone down to like eight hours. Meanwhile, throughout all this time, again, Jake is spending more and more time with um, Jennifer and the various Mirror counterparts that are around. We get to see Mirror Nog, who, as we know from the other Mirror Universe episodes, uh, his uncle and his father were both killed by the Intendant. Right. So now Nog is running the bar. Nog, who is suspicious of all tall men, so he doesn't like tall men, as he says in the episode. So we get a little, we get a little Nog reunion there, but not much. Finally, they get this, they get the ship running, pretty much. You know, it, it, basically it's crunch time. Uh, Cisco's going to leave, but decides that he, you know, after some goading from Smiley, he's going to stay. He's going to command the Defiant into battle against the Regent and his forces. 
He does so successfully and, uh, you know, blows up a bunch of their ships and stuff. They get some help from Mirror Universe Dax and Bashir who are, you know, flitting around there. They're not entirely essential to the plot here. The main point is basically that while Ben is doing all this stuff for the, uh, for the rebels, Jake is spending time with Jennifer, who's also realizing that her using Jake to manipulate Cisco has kind of messed her over as well because she actually has feelings for Ben. And she was hoping that something could actually happen between them, but she feels like she may have ruined it, which she does later confirm when she asks him. And he's basically saying, yeah, I'm realizing that the initial connection, attraction I had to you when I first saw you was more off of my past with my wife. Right. And right. So she makes a uh, pact to make sure that Jake gets back to Deep Space Nine before things get too hairy. Uh, meanwhile, Nog helps the Intendant escape, and the Intendant promptly rewards him by killing him. So now right. all of our known Ferengis are dead in the Mirror Universe. Took um, them one episode per chance. One episode at a time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> knocked them all out. Yes, <laughs> knocked them all out. If there's one thing that is obviously not just, you know, one universe, but multi, multi-universal. No one likes Ferengi. They're just going to kill them all. <laughs> so she happens, the intendant now having been freed from the prison cell, she happens upon Jake and Jennifer. She wants to take Jennifer back to the regent as like a scapegoat for all of her past misdeeds. Um, Jennifer's like, fine, but let the boy go. Um, she was actually going to kill Jake, but then... Uh, Jennifer steps in front of the phaser beam, takes the shot herself, and slowly dies. Um, it's re- she now understands who Jake is, realizing he's our Cisco's son, and so she spares him and says, "Tell your father I spared you, and that's a debt I intend to collect." Um, Cisco, fresh from having beat the Regent and his forces, comes back to the station where they basically have one last final goodbye with Jennifer and. That's it. They go home. Presumably. We don't see them actually go home. It ends with, you know, Cisco, father and son, hugging as dead Jennifer passes on beside him. Yeah. Dead Jennifer is dead. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Which I always thought was kind of weird because (laughs) in the one, well, I was going to say in the one scene, the intendant shoots Nog and he drops and he dies like right there. The very next scene, she shoots Jennifer who then like takes forever to die. Yeah. Like Plus she yeah, she like is hangs on just long enough to say like we have a connection or or like I'm glad I met I'm you. I'm glad that we were says, connected. Yeah. I yeah, knew we were like connected, we're connected now. Said. And then she dies. Like, yep, held on just long enough. <laughs> so I've got my I've got my theories about this episode and why it was done the way that it's done. And we're gonna get into that too. But essentially that is the episode. Um, there, you, that's the highlights. That's what you need to know. Again, if you want to know all the bits and pieces, details, how Bashir wore his hair in this episode, which you know what, you should look at. Go watch the episode. <laughs> then you can, you know, join us. I mean, we're live now, but you can always listen to us later, whatever. But yeah, that's essentially the episode. So, as always, first question, David, what did you think? Hmm. Well, um, I'll start off with the good, the good part. Um, seeing Worf as his, like, full Klingon self was great, because I don't think we've ever seen Worf go full Klingon, you know, like, no. uh, <laughs> um, you know, never go full retard, you know, he, he's gone full Klingon <laughs> this time, um, 
And it's great. It's I want more of that. Like if if the mirror episode universes give us more of Worf as I guess the Emperor, as you're saying, then I'm all for it because he's never been able to fully commit to being a Klingon. He's always got to hold back, be honorable. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was it was really fun to see him. You know, the reveal of he's the one who's coming back to take the the station. Um, so he's been a great addition to the season and the part here because he can you know contribute to this mirror mirror universe storyline um but i do i do feel like this episode had a lot of like things that just made me go like i don't know how that like makes sense like first off this is not the first time that cisco has been kidnapped by the mirror universe people last episode they kidnapped him directly smiley came into ops and like put a gun to him and said you're coming with me and now here comes his not dead wife taking his son like i would you're not my wife you don't get to kidnap my kid like he doesn't have right. quite as strong a reaction as i think he should have had basically is when he shows up on uh torok nor and then yeah you you mentioned like you know dax was it dax and o'brien that can't come with them and uh dax, it's, it's no it's it's o'brien and kira that's they it. they hop up on the transporter pad, but only uh, only uh, yeah. Cisco disappears. And they can't come through, and then we never hear from our crew again. Like he's there for like a couple days, maybe a week, but we never see our team trying to you know get him back. We never hear him being like, "You better let me go back, or my team's gonna come storming in here, and they're gonna have you know more problems than you can handle." He just goes along with it, which I know we have to make the episode happen. But I wish someone had just come to him and said, hey, we have the plans for the Defiant, and we need you, your help. But, of course, be the drama of him meeting his, you know, of, of Jake meeting his mom. I think they, they should have just had her show up and been like, I need you to come with me. Like, mm-hmm. she's the emotional connection from the last episode. So here she is again, and she reveals herself to Jake, and, and, and they use Jake not to kidnap him, but as the emotional push Come on, Dad, we have to help her. You know, the whole kidnapping angle, I, I was like, that's dumb. We've already had that angle from the last episode. This one doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, and then, anyway. Um, and it would, it would also give our crew on Deep Space Nine a reason to hang back. Because it's just Cisco. He's going to do this. He thinks it'll take a few days, and then it turns into a whole thing. Um, so, that was kind of dumb. The Defiant, how do they have the resources and technology to build a Defiant? I mean, that's supposed to be yes. like a secret ship. <laughs> Even if you downloaded the plans, like, I could download the plans to the nuclear bomb that I'm reading about in Oppenheimer. I can't build no atomic bomb. <laughs> I don't got the resources for that. So, whatever. Fine. We're giving the show a chance to just suspend disbelief. But then, yeah, we got... Wow. They got Nog running in there for no reason to save Kira the Intendant, and she immediately turns around and kills him. Because, like, we have to let yeah, her live. I have to agree on that. Like, his, the reason he, he saved her makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Like, and it comes out of nowhere, too. It's not like yeah. you see him, like, scheming around. He just walks in right. there. And, or and that the he way had some he, odd devotion to her or something. Yeah, it just yeah. It makes no sense. And the way he, like, beats up the guard, it wasn't coordinated very well. It didn't. It wasn't convincing. Yeah, um, you, you beat him with a serving plate. Yeah, and the guy goes down real quick. Like, no, sorry. Easy. I'm like, I'm sorry. You just got smacked in the head with a serving plate by a child. Like, yeah, I, yeah. No, no of course, way. The best part of Nog is when we first meet him in this episode. You know, Jake's being like, "Hey, I know you from my universe," and he's like, "I don't trust tall men." 
but I love right. tall women. And he's Nog, our short little young Nog, who just turned 18, I guess, because he's back to yeah. the generation in our universe. He's got two women on him, and he gives one to Jake as a part it's of, like, like well, here, <laughs> Right. Like and then right now. around the and then right around the corner comes Cisco and he's like Jake. He's like, ooh, Dad. Yeah. Ah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Jake, it's the first time you've been you had arms around a Dabo girl. We know. Um, yeah. Marta. So anyway, don't forget. <laughs> um, and then um, I I did like at the end of the episode we had an actual dog fight. It's always fun to see dog fights. Yeah. But it also made me realize that. You know, Jake, or sorry, Cisco is giving commands about do this, do that. But when we see the ship actually, you know, doing its thing, I mean, it's moving too fast for like voice commands, in my opinion. I mean, it's just, you know, you got to make the action look good. So maybe like there's, it turns out the ship is actually moving faster. Uh, like we're seeing it move faster than it actually would compared to them talking about doing maneuvers okay. in the ship. I don't know. It was you make a those, good. You make a good point. So I've always, I've always thought in this. I don't know where I got this from, but I always thought of the way that they do battles in Star Trek when they're yelling out commands as kind of like they're playing chess and they're programming their moves in three or four steps ahead. That's why uh, we can hear them. We can hear them make the order, and the, you know we see them inputting the buttons and whatever else. But then it translates to the ship doing several things all at right. once, like when he says pattern delta in this episode right. for example like pattern delta is a series of maneuvers so that that's why it was like actually. you know yeah okay and that's okay. like and like the next generation when picard would say the same thing like evasive pattern sierra epsilon or whatever right? right like those words even though they seem short to us corresponds to like 15 maneuvers yeah things. okay right that that they pull up sense. from a call list right you know it pulls up from a that. list that actually yeah. makes a lot more sense and it also um, explains why patterns even exist. You know, why would yes. a, like do Delta pa- pattern wave Delta. And then he says, rock the ship. Basically um, that sounds super simple. If he just says rock the ship, but if you actually imagine that being more than just like, well, like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. yeah. And if you watch the action of the ship, like it doesn't just rock once and then stop. It bobs and weaves and then it like dives down around the pylons of the, of the space station comes up and around and then dodges behind another one and comes up above the ship that it was that it was chasing or right. that, that was chasing it it's now above it in position to fire down so right. it was a series of maneuvers that led to it doing that so yeah i think there's more to it than that they just they just never told us we just have to okay. assume he does say pattern they, so i mean it's, I it's not just one movement that a little bit more if you're right yeah i don't know more to explain that but um Two things about that. First off, I love how <laughs> O'Brien starts leaning into the turns after that scene. And I'm like, I thought the whole inertial inish- inish- dampeners were supposed to keep you from needing to lean into the turn. <laughs> so the so inertial dampers have been discussed a lot. And inertial dampers that are in, a, in their perfect universe, yes, they do stop you needing to do that kind of thing. But at the same time, there is a limit to what they can actually counter. So Fair when enough. ships start in, right, yeah. when ships start engaging in evasive maneuvers, the, the rapid right, yeah. the rapid changing positioning and everything else will cause some. You know that's why the that's why they're still going to see people like when the ships take damage from a, a torpedo or phaser fire or whatever, you'll still see somebody get flown flung across the bridge or whatever it is 
the inertial damper wasn't working because if it was working perfectly, they never should move. They should, yeah. regardless of the explosion going on, they should never move. Well, I always but figured it would, like, it would just stop any external feeling of motion. Like if there's something inside the the field that moves, that like if there's an explosion, it caused you to jump. Like that makes sense. But like otherwise, any outside force wouldn't affect mm-hmm. it. But anyway, my point is is that I noticed that and it made me laugh yeah. because yeah, when I was a kid. Whenever I played game like Mario Kart, you know, you you play it, and um, it was particularly my you, dad. Whenever we would play those types of games, that we would like, we would really start getting move, like yeah, that particularly yeah. like we'd get into like <laughs> you're not actually doing anything, but you feel like you are. Um, anyway, yeah, my mother was yeah. the same. I remember her playing games that she would like jerk the controller, <laughs> and whatever, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like that not translates happened. to nothing, <laughs> to absolutely <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to say was it was a fun little call, uh, callback to the whole uh, pattern Delta when they uh, when Cisco's like, all right, they're on a retreat or something, or like, um, they're we got he basically says, okay, we're we got twenty five percent shields, we need to go at them, and so O'Brien says, oh, is that pattern suicide? <laughs> so, yes, suicide run or whatever. So fun callback. Uh, you know, this O'Brien smiley doesn't know what patterns are, so he's starting making quips. So. Uh, funny little moment. Um, yeah, I, I feel like this episode, there were just, again, just a few issues. Like, why is it that Cisco is here, but doesn't seem to be all that, you know, like, he abandoned his duty as post for, like, a week in order to help them out here. Like, maybe well, he can't get back unless they help him, so he's stuck, so I get it. But I just, I just felt like stuff like that was like, I need an explanation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I can like see he, that. Like, it seems like he gave up a little too early on trying right. to fight to get home. Um, now, granted, they, you know, when he's as soon as he shows up, he's they take his phaser, they hold him at gunpoint, they remove the tool that he was was supposed to be able to use to, on the transporter to get himself back home, and they were holding Jake hostage. Like Smiley tells him right away, he's like, "You and your son aren't going anywhere until you do what we want," and right. I mean. For all of his knowledge of the station and the Defiant and everything else, I mean, could he have probably put up a better fight and gotten them out of there? Possibly. But at the same time, it didn't really hurt him any to stay and help out. My only concern for Cisco, because I thought the same thing. I was like, you gave up a little too easy. But I was also like, you know, you um, you don't care about the Prime Directive at all. Like, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be interfering in their, in their stuff. You know, so well, it does bring up yeah. an interesting question. At this point, I'm like, the mirror universe is just a liability. There's nothing we gain from having this mirror universe around. They interfere with us. They've kidnapped us twice now. We need to we need to cut off all connection to the mirror universe. <laughs> Y'all have your own problems. We're dealing with the Dominion. We got a wormhole. We got the 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 the, the Klingons attacking the Cardassians. We got. We got our own problems. We ain't got to deal with an alternate history now, too. So, you know, and off. what you're and what you're saying is is brings up like one of my main problems with the mirror universe. You know, so to give the to dive into the Trek lore there, the first time we ever saw the mirror universe was all the way back in the '60s with Kirk and Company. Okay, they were the first ones to do the crossover. Since that time, we have obviously been aware, or you know, if we consider ourselves as part of the prime universe, which there's enough evidence in our current history that says we're actually the mirror universe, but whatever. <laughs> um, but let's just assume that we are the prime universe, right? Okay. Um, 
Um, we've known about them since it's been what three three hundred years now, right? Since so from Kirk to to Cisco, you know, a hundred year, hundred and fifty years, because they were the twenty third century. This is the twenty fourth century, latter half of the twenty fourth century. So something along those lines. Anyway. And there have been multiple incursions. With Deep Space Nine alone, Deep Space Nine, we, this is the third time they have been involved in something in the in, with the Mirror Universe. And often it's that side coming to our side, to the to the Prime side. So Starfleet has basically been aware of this whole thing and has just has has given no no attention, no research, no credence, no nothing, as far as we know. As far as we can tell, everybody's always so surprised. And then they're like, oh, yeah, like they forgot you guys existed. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, you're over there. Meanwhile, Mirror Universe folks, they are they are focused. They know all about us and then some. And if you watch Discovery, there's they, Discovery has their own crossover episodes. And they were like intent on coming to our side. One of their officers so much as even like kidnaps his counterpart, takes his place. So, I mean, it's just like... Why are they so focused on us and we not on them? And it makes right. no sense to me why there haven't been certain measures put in place to make sure that transporters would seem to be the easiest way to get from one universe to the next. Why they have not done something to them to make it impossible for you to make this kind of mistake and get right. you here. Right. And yeah, like any kind of anomaly that has even the remotest potential to cross you over to a parallel universe, they need to like put a stamp on it or something. Cause that's what happened to Kira. The first time she found out about the mirror universe, they were coming through the wormhole and there was some kind of glitch that caused them to end up in the mirror universe. They, there was no transporter there. Right. The only show that doesn't do a trans a, a, um, a mirror universe episode is next generation. I mean, the closest that we get to them is yesterday's enterprise where, because the Enterprise C didn't blow up at Narendra three with the Romulans, they are still in a protracted war with the Romulans with the Enterprise D and Picard right. and company. Right. Um, let's see real quick. Uh, Voyager also doesn't do a um, crossover, but they get close too. They do a like a, a what if I think it's called latent image is the name of the episode. And it's where like the holographic doctor gets discovered some 800 years in the future. And they're telling this bleak history of the day the warship Voyager showed up. And he's like, yeah, that was, we were in a warship. Like, what are you talking about? Right. So interesting episode, but yeah, but even like enterprise, the show that precedes the original series. So yeah, it'd be 200 years. And we've known about, the mirror universe, they do a whole crossover and that's a true crossover episode as well. Right. Makes no sense why Starfleet doesn't do more to safeguard against crossovers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's basically what I'm, I'm saying is like, it seems a little too easy for O'Brien, you know, smiley to come up with a plan and say, we need a Cisco. Someone go grab a Cisco real quick. <laughs> right. Go get that one. Go get, and, and then, you know, and, and, and in, if you follow the theory, I mean, there's multiple universes. So y'all right. keep coming over to this one, but why? Why if if what we are having, what we have, doesn't work for you, or we won't cooperate, what's to stop them from going to the next adjacent universe and snatching up somebody there? Right. And I, I part of me does wonder too. Why is it the episode? 
something to the effect of like we know the station is about to be reconquered so we actually need to perform a refugee maneuver we need to get all of our people off the station and we want to come here to your universe yeah that would be interesting yeah just have everybody who's on the station they don't want to be slaves anymore we're going to set the self-destruct on the station and everybody's going to beam over to your station and then that's it that'd be interesting right i'd like to see that and then there'd be like reasons why they can't do it I mean, you know? the only reason I would say that might not be I – mean, we've seen a similar episode. I think it was like during season one where we had that one woman who like the translator couldn't translate her language as quickly as others. And it took some time for it to translate her language for her people. And they were from the other side of the wormhole. And they, had, mm-hmm. they knew who the Dominion was. It actually was season two then. Um, so we've seen refugees before. But um, I don't know. But my point is like if I was Smiley <laughs> – I mean, coming up with a defiant warship of my own sounds great, but why wasn't there any talk of a backup of, like, let's just get everyone to safety in our universe or something like that? Maybe yeah, it wouldn't you, work. You, like, you have the resources. polarity is wrong or something, and it wouldn't work. You can't stay across too long. So in greater, in greater Trek lore, there is a reason, and it is, it's explained in Discovery to a certain degree. That people in the other universe, they do the 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 universe is different. Their universe is, for one thing, it's darker, so they have a hard time adjusting to our universe because there's like more ambient lighting or something like that. So that's one interesting way to tell them apart. A lot of them have eye issues, so they have to take these little eye drops to make themselves, you know, okay the in our universe, form. right? Yeah. And then there's a whole other thing. There's another plot with another one where it's like the longer they're in our universe and the further they move away from their particular timeline, then their bodies start to go undergo like basically fission and they start to like fall apart. So there, there is something to be said about being specific to a, a particular universe. Um, right. Something about your your resonance sequence frequency. They explained yeah. it. It's in there. Yeah, and you and you honestly, resonate you resonate a, with a certain frequency. A, yeah. Yeah, and honestly, it's a decent explanation for why you don't cross universes, why universes might touch, but you're not supposed to, you know, cross all that often. So yeah, a fun a fun premise, but a good way of yes. keeping the you know we have infinite universes, therefore we don't. It doesn't matter who's who. Yeah, no, your signature you matches in your universe. Yes, yeah. your signature matches this particular universe. Therefore, this is the one for you. They did that in the Next Generation with Worf when he was phasing through different universes. They found the one he was supposed to be in by matching his quantum resonance signature with the Enterprise from that universe and sent everybody back home. So I remember, I remember that one. I remember the details. They'll have to rewatch that one. I remember something. Yeah. About that, he went through a spatial fracture, which is basically allowing him to shift between universes. Yes, while he was on a runabout, yeah, he was on his way back to the Enterprise from a uh, Klingon fighting competition. Went through a spatial fracture, so now his quantum resonance signature was fluctuating and he was jumping from universe to universe. And it was often being triggered by Geordi, whose visor was emitting a certain kind of radiation, which was pushing him from one universe to the next. And so then when they were trying to figure out how to send him back, they amplified the fracture. So then all these universes, these all these enterprises from different universes started oh, right. popping up all over the place. And one then of them, the, and, and then um 
and then what's his face was in charge of one of them, and he threatened to kill everybody or something. What, who, that uh, was Riker, Riker because that yes. their their enterprise is from a universe where the Borg were everywhere, and right. they were like on their last leg. And he was like, "We'd rather stay here than right. go back to that nightmare uh, universe." <laughs> but uh, they were like, "No," and so they fired on that enterprise, and it had taken so much damage that they it blew up. And then, oh, I thought yeah, they, they killed that one. They didn't they were... mean to, but it had right. so much damage that uh, one torpedo shot. Anyway. Yeah, it was yeah. it was a done deal. <laughs> so uh, and we saw the universe where uh, Picard was assimilated by the Borg and they never rescued him. So Riker was promoted to captain of the Enterprise. Right. So we got to see that one as well. So yeah, we saw all of these different ones. And then they found the resident signature that, Worf, that their Worf really belonged to. And they sent him back through the fracture to fix everything right and then it worked it worked right. out so right. yeah 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 you you belong in your universe i that that's fair my again yes. i damn it smiley cut it out <laughs> <laughs> with his with his magic cylinder that he could just wave yeah. like a wand yeah. over the transporter pad that's and right. now yeah. that that's yeah. all it takes man yeah no explanation of what this is I'm just yep. going to make a couple of short C's <laughs> right here, and poof, we're, we're on the other side. Yeah. And did you notice, and again, everything is darker on the other side. We, yeah. you know, it's, it's a nice way of being like, oh, well, this is how we show that it's the other side. But that's what they were saying in the explanation of people on the Mirror Universe side. Their entire universe is darker than ours. So they, that's why they have these vision issues when the they come to our side. Dark yeah. light problem, yeah. So, let's talk about the Cisco's. So, I want to talk about the fact that we had to watch. We had to watch Jennifer die. I I, and, I, was, I was surprised the two of them, Jake and uh, Ben, especially Ben, were absolutely traumatized by having to rewatch their loved one die all over again. Right. It felt cheap, frankly. Like this character. It's like they had to get rid of her. It's like we can't let her. They, be they, I, that is, that is my theory. They yeah. absolutely had to get rid of her, and they had to do it this way, or not this way, but they, we had to have an episode where she was gotten rid of for two reasons. One, we have to show the evolution of Jake Sisko. We have to right. show that he is growing up. He is no longer a boy, traumatized right. by the loss of his mom. He is becoming a, a, a man. He's becoming an adult. He needs to learn how to separate and and move on from that. And that's what this episode is. We see, especially in his initial reaction to Jennifer and wanting to hold her hands and talk to her and sharing, you know, his life the past nine years, as he says, with her. That was a child experiencing that kind of reunification with their, you know, obviously with their parent. And they're just elated to kind of go back to that kind of mindset and then right. move through it. So this was Jake growing up for us. So right. now we can now see him put this aside. He is now a man. Right. It's it's also important to note this was important for Ben because now this frees Ben up to truly pursue romantic interests. Which because when we his girlfriend in a while, whatever her name is. Today. Right. Cassidy. He, you know, he went on the one date with Cassidy and then we haven't heard her mentioned. And in between that last seeing of Cassidy to now, he'd already gone to the Mirror Universe and he'd, he'd met with Jennifer and he had done all these things, right? So we, he knew 
she existed. That there was that there was a Jennifer out there, right? right. So this now stops him from having any kind of ties to the being Jennifer Cisco. Okay, right. so that is now officially done for him. He can now move on. He can do. And, I mean, and he was, and I think that's why they also didn't show this as being super hard for him because part of him moving into and embracing fully his role as emissary was moving from his past. He had already largely dealt with the loss of Jennifer. This was just kind of that last lingering hold on that now has been severed and now will fully free him up to um, just kind of be out there, be, be the fully realized version of himself, not so traumatized and so forth. So I thought like that's why they did this. This is a way to kind of get both of these two characters into a new stage of development. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if um, we do see a greater emphasis on relationships for the both of them. And um, I say that I wouldn't be surprised at all knowing full well that I've seen this show like a countless bajillion times. But that has no bearing. Even in, you know, when I remember when I watched this episode a long time ago, I thought the same thing. It's like, oh, this this now frees him up. He can now really date and commit right. to whatever's going on with Cassidy. Right. Yeah, I, it, it 100% felt like we got to get rid of this character, which, I mean, we just got reintroduced to her as a, as a character last season, up season three. We hadn't seen the actress since her appearance in, in, in the pilot. So I feel like this actress got the short end of the stick, frankly. By the way, the she's one, the one playing the one playing Jennifer, yes, Felicia yeah. Bell. Yeah, Felicia Bell, she lovely. She, yes, lovely. I I always love long, thick hair, and she's got that down pat in this episode. She um, she's the quintessential. She's the quintessential '90s that kind of ethereal woman. You know, yeah. she's she's not in this for the long haul. She is there to be this you know, paragon of love and beauty and all the right things. And it's, and it's, it's imperative that you view her that way because she's not going to stay around long. If they wanted her to, if we, if they want us to really be interested in her as a character and any kind of future development, they would have made everything that she did way more complicated. There would have been way more lines, shades of gray with her, than there ever was. Even when we right. were first introduced to the character of Mirror Universe uh, Jennifer Sisko, she right. was still such a paragon then. So right. yeah, it's just like that. Was, she was never meant to be a long-term player in this. Not and I have to say that as we as you just talked, I was thinking, I was like, honestly, I wish that had been more of a thing with the Mirror Universe. Like the whole idea that yeah, like you can't spend extended periods of time and the universe is not yours, but just across the universe is your loved, your dead loved one. Like that could have, I mean, it might've been a cliche storyline to pursue, frankly, you know, Oh, we, you know, he's got someone he wants to see, but they can't be together because, you know, cross universes, blah, blah, blah. But part of me thinks that that would have been more interesting. I, I, I frankly, at this point, I'm not all that invested in Cassidy as a girlfriend. They haven't well, been yeah, invested in Cassidy. Yeah, we haven't really seen much of Cassidy. Now, I'm not really sure why. And this might be something I do a little deep dive on myself to figure out why well, this um, is a big the actress... She got, she got a, a suite on the on the station. Yeah. The whole thing last time we saw her. Sorry, keep right. going. But you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. We watched them do the whole big deal about her moving on to the station and having quarters there and everything else. And then we haven't seen her since. So right. it's like, yo, did you move on to the station? Did you die? Like, what happened? Like, right. we don't know anything about you. 
But um, I, I would like to take a look and see why maybe the actress, uh, Penny Johnson Gerald, is the woman who plays Cassidy uh, Yates. Right. And um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to find out she might have been busy on other projects, and that's why we didn't see her. I mean, it was frequent for a lot of them to do, you know, a lot of cross work. That's why we didn't right. see much of Keiko. You know, Keiko was off doing, um, you know, Rosalind Chow, the actress who plays Keiko. She was always, she was quite busy throughout the 90s on a bunch of different shows and movies and things like that. Right. So, um, yeah, um, it's more than likely that's why she wasn't able to do a whole lot. But um, I can say, again, it's my spoiler, that changes. We do see more of Cassidy. And I think that once we do see more of Cassidy and the relationship dynamic between her and Ben, I think you'll come around to to liking her, you know. Okay. But um, Jennifer Sisko was always supposed to be this. And again, that goes back to the, the trope in the 90s when the wife dies and the husband is the widow with the, has to be the survivor that carries on. They often frame the wife as this otherworldly, loving, beautiful, kind, charitable, you right. know, being you know she's just on a whole other level right you almost don't even want to right you almost can't even really say she was ever human and even and think <laughs> about it when we when we watch the episodes when they were like in the in the pilot when they featured um jennifer she right. was always filmed in that soft light and everything about them was so picturesque he met her on a sandy beach they took an idealistic picnic in this you know lush park garden area where they discussed having children and sweetness and light, you know, all this great, wonderful stuff. Like there was never nothing that ever made her seem real. She was supposed right. to be this kind of ephemeral creature, you know? Right. And uh, yeah, they definitely kept, kept that going. Even when we finally see her, she's this supposed to be this rough and tumble mirror version of herself. What was she doing when we first met her? She was, operating under the assumption that her work was going to save a bunch of lives. She was so naive and so blindsided by this desire to save lives that she didn't realize that her work was going to actually kill a bunch of people, make it right. very easy for a bunch of people to die. And then here she is now, kind of the same thing. She right. she brought Jake so that Cisco would help out, but it's to save lives. And she didn't really think about Jake in this particular light, and now that she spent time with him, she sees the sun she never got to have, the life she never got to have, and she's suddenly pining for that life. And they also, coincidentally, while we're talking about mirror universe counterparts existing wherever, they actually, in a roundabout way, confirm that Jake Sisko doesn't exist in the mirror universe. So, <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. not everybody's not everybody's in the mirror universe. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, she does say that. It's not a son I could have had, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I just feel like because she dies this episode, it felt cheap, as you we've talked about. Like she gets shot, but she drags on long enough to die in front of Cisco. And it's very like, important that she dies in front of them. They made that very clear. It's very yeah. important that she dies in front of them. And I feel like it should have been more traumatizing for Cisco because he was so torn and broken up about it when we, when we first met him. Yeah. We saw him trying to save her during the Borg attack. Um, and for him to just seemingly, like, he's he and Jake embrace and are holding each other while she's dead next to them in the final shot. And I feel like, and I, I understand why they're hugging, because mm. they're the, that's the relationship we care about. But I feel like in that moment, like, 
I feel like they should have been at at the, at the side of her, holding her hand as she's she's dead, but they're still taking time. Like it's still traumatizing. They're reliving all the trauma all over again. Like them embracing so, was the, was the nice kind of you know bow on top version of the end of the episode, but the more dramatic version of it would have been them crying over her dead body as they're reliving the whole trauma all over again. And I feel like that would have been the more authentic version of the end. And so, so I, I, I understand why, what you're saying, but I feel like the only person that really should have been traumatizing for was Jake because Jake was so young and obviously still very much a child who needed his mother. And then right. he had to grow up without her and he's right. got to share all this stuff with her all over again and everything else. And then to suddenly have her taken from him. I really feel like this should have been a great, moment for them to push jake to emote more yes we've seen enough of cisco yeah if we want to say that cisco has matured in the four seasons and has got to the point where it's not as traumatizing for him i totally agree that there's certainly the character arc because he's yeah the character arc for ben yeah the character arc for ben has been very much dealing with the trauma of his past letting it go and being a better man right jake on the other hand his whole path his whole path has been Kind of similar in learning how to deal with the past, but it's also his, you know, he has a very intense connection to his father that go that stems not only from just, you know, his, his dad being a great support factor for him, but from the fact that they have this traumatic loss of the mother. So being reunited with her and suddenly having that taken from him again right. when he hasn't really got, when he clearly hasn't gotten over it, right. I think should have been the way that they went with that and then showing... Sis, ben Cisco being more torn up about his son going through this thing versus he himself because everything that we see in the episode when it comes to Cisco dealing with Jennifer shows that while he wasn't rude to her he did keep his distance he did not try to get closer and like that and he also warned Jake he was like whatever plans you're making whatever right. vision that you've got stop like right. get it out of your head this is not it he made sure to try to at least instill that there was a distinction here. Um, right. Jake is the one who didn't really see it. So, yeah, I would have loved to have seen Jake break down more and Cisco having to take care of his son more than what they what they did. Right. Yeah, and I, I just want to say it this way. I the, the reason I like the movie Inception so much is because there are two moments at the end of the film where you're supposed to be experiencing catharsis. You have the main character, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, weeping over his dying wife, who's not real. Like the whole point of the, the scene is like, this is not his real wife, but he's still crying over her. And she's crying as she's dying. You know, she's not the real person. And then you have the character that they're playing, they're, they're doing this heist on, and they're presenting a false version of his own father to him as a version of the man who would forgive and say, I love, my, love you, my son. And the man breaks down as the as everything is going on, the climax of the movie. And so every time I, I, I want that same feeling, the catharsis, I want that I want characters to cry and to weep over like dead loved ones, over yeah. like regret. And I feel like this is a moment again, because there are there's a dead wife on the table right there, where I feel like the emotional climax could have been a harder punch. And I feel like it mm-hmm. kinda missed it. Um Again, it's TV, so part of me wonders you like just, if you might go a little too well, far by with some of that. So, no, like, your your problem is this show was filmed thirty years ago. 
if this had been filmed now, you would have definitely gotten that. You would have gotten both characters broken down, sobs, whether that would have been <laughs> Now like, I'm like, oh, that's overdoing it. Now I'm overdoing I'm it. I'm just, <laughs> right, but I'm just saying that's what it would have been. That's exactly what right. it would have been. It would have been, you know, Ben holding on to his son at the funeral while the son cries and sobs uncontrollably and Ben's being the strong stoic dad until he, at the end of the night, gets alone, sits in this dark room somewhere and he's got a drink in his hand and he's right. just a wreck. He's just an absolute right. emotional wreck. That would have been the scene that you would have got if it was filmed like today or within the last five years or so. Because right. that's, how, that's how it's done now. But um, unfortunately that was not this was already kind of pushing it the emotional the emotional turmoil of the Cisco family in general was already kind of pushing it for 90s TV at the time. So um, yeah, uh, wrong era, man. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's re- again, reboot the show and then and, do it again. <laughs> yeah, and as you were talking, I was like, you know, there is the problem of you can overdo it. So you know, if you have to air one way or the other, is overdoing it the right answer? Maybe not. So um, less is more, as they say, right? Less yeah. is more. Yeah, and to be very clear, the point is supposed to be that the two of them embrace. You know, they have a moment and that, there. And that so, their bond has been the foundation for, upon which they have both built their new perspectives on life as they continue right. forward. Yeah. They've done Jake a, knew they've, that she wasn't his actual mother. Yeah. It's just that she looked like her and had all of the same features and frankly was her in every way except that she was an alternate version. So, yeah, I, I, I just – uh, maybe I'm just mad at Christopher Nolan because in, in I think I've said it in Interstellar there's the exact same yeah. scene and he didn't do it in that scene he like did a different version <laughs> he didn't he didn't have the emotional catharsis I want so every time I've been like ah you didn't do it right but anyway well, um, I mean, so this is why I, this is exactly why I like <laughs> this is why I like watching these shows and like you know Deep Space Nine ER Voyager all you know all these shows from back then they do inform us when we look at what is out now and what we can do now. There are so many right. things that were filmed in those shows that were just so edgy and they were pushing it, you know, right. and, oh, I, I don't know if this is going to get by the censors or the execs or whomever. And now it's just so commonplace. We're almost desensitized to it. We have to go to that extreme other end in right. order to still get any kind of, you know, elicit any kind of feeling from viewers on things. Right. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, some people say that it makes TV more realistic. I, I don't know if I want that level of realism. There's certain certain things I just don't want to see, you know. But teach right. their own, right? Um, yeah. to to lighten the mood a little bit as we <laughs> come up on the on an end here, gotta talk about Garrick on a leash. Just gotta <laughs> talk about Garrick on a leash, who is being jerked around by Worf. We haven't um, seen Garrick in a couple episodes either. Yeah, we so. haven't. We a lot of these characters that we see in this episode we hadn't seen in a while. Dax gets more screen time than she certainly has gotten in the last couple of episodes. And even that was kind of a little bit of a, you know, aside. Her and that, uh, she's clearly partnered up with Julian in his terrible yeah. hairpiece. The and terrible wig. Uh, uh, this version of, of, <laughs> of Bashir, I just I just can't get behind. He's so, <laughs> he's trying way too hard to be a badass. <laughs> Well, and that was the whole point. So there's this whole little thing where the actors talk about how they have very precise views of what their counterparts were like. And he right. talks about his, you know, like, and this is something that we've talked about before. Bashir 
Arbashir, he is such a he has such a great friend. He's always there to help out his people. He won't harm anybody. He's just always so supportive. This Bashir is, you know, he's unstable to say the least. He's, you know, very aggressive. Um, he's a jerk and he's a bit dumb. You know, he lets them, he lets people goad him into things really easily. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, the intendant Kara, you know, she talks about Nana, who, you know, obviously plays Kara. She talks about how she was, she views the intendant as the type, she's Kara, but the Kara who would do absolutely anything to right. protect her people. So there's a just an extreme quality to her, you know. Right. But, you know, Garrick, again, he is he's still Garrick, but he is much more manipulative and skeezy here, you know. Yeah. And he's he's playing up that part of being a little toady so well, you know. Yeah. Um unfortunately it doesn't work for him because Worf ends up stabbing him, to say the least, you know. Um, that was a weird scene. <laughs> it was a weird scene. They're looking. They're apparently looking for the key to the yeah. uh, collar that right. Garrick is being forced to wear, and his controller, who has the, uh, who has the, has the key, key, which had we boots. met him before? I feel like we'd seen him so. before. I don't think so. No. Wait a minute. Have we seen the episode where Quark marries a Klingon? Okay, yeah, so then the we have House of House of uh, House of Quark. Uh, yes, yes, that's or right. House of, well, I forget where that falls. House of Quark. It anyway. becomes the House of Groka because Lady Groka is the woman that he marries. Right. But the man who plays the Klingon who was supposed to be watching Garrick when he feeds him, he's the brother of the Klingon that Quark that Quark supposedly killed. Ah. Gotcha. So we had seen him before. Wow, going deep into the lore there, aren't you? <laughs> hey, you know what? You watch it enough, people's faces stand out, okay? All right? Let's just sum it up, okay? It's not that I have a great memory. It's that I have no life. So I just watch these things all the time. As long as you're willing um, to admit it. <laughs> hey, you know, that's that's the first part of solving the problem, right? Right. And uh, I'm sorry, I can hear your dog in the background. It's not mine. It's my roommate's, <laughs> but he's not here. So when we get done, I'll go take care of him. <laughs> that's all right <laughs> he is insistent apparently yeah. but that's okay i just wanted to say that you know i just thought it was so great the way that they just kept literally dragging garrick around on the leash just further heightening how far he's fallen because you remember the last time we saw him in the episode he was running you know foot and step with the intendant and now here he is brought low and he's being threatened with either death or slavery the whole time yeah. um but what did you think of the mirror counterparts themselves? Like, did you like seeing everybody play something different? Um, we've already talked a bit about Regent Emperor Worf, you know, but just in general, did you like seeing how everybody was different in this new new universe? I feel like the Bashir we've met is too too brass and too too much of himself that he wouldn't have been killed already, basically. Like, he would have crossed the wrong person by now already. Uh, the Dax was also weird a little bit you know it's because she's suddenly this you know she's the paramour of the other cisco you know she says mm -hmm. you know last time you were here you made love to me when i didn't know who you were Super so we awkward. get the we get the yeah we get the confirmation, <laughs> confirmation. that that's what happened because remember yeah. last time they did we that classic 90s sure. tv wipe 
Yeah. You know, we and now, Cisco now we know. Out of it. Yeah. Now uh, that we made know. me feel like, oh my God, like Cisco knows Dax in his own universe. They have a relationship. And now he really that. knows Dax. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so then the question becomes, was Cisco, when he slept with Dax, was he just playing a part or was he living out of fantasy? No, I think he was doing <laughs> I think he had to do the part. I mean, not that Dax is an unattractive woman and he couldn't do his job, if you know what I'm saying, but um, he does call her old man. <laughs> you know, I think there would be some some issues along the, along the way there. Uh, the real question, too, is I don't know if we've actually had that really explained. Um, is, she, is she a combined Trill in the alternate universe? You know what? That's a good question because, I mean, they do call her Dax in the Mirror Universe. That's, that's but, why I was like, I think she is, but... But at the same time, there are certain things about the Mirror Universe that we will see, we will see later on that don't necessarily exactly correspond to things in our universe. I right. don't want to give it away, but there is a pretty... There's a pretty big one that comes up way later because you know what? <laughs> Deep Space Nine is not done with the mirror universe. But okay. let's just say that even if a person has a has a name or whatever or even the same face does not mean they in any way share it. So she might not be a joined trill. We okay. know that she is a trill, but we don't know that she's a joined trill. Her okay. name could just be Dax. So okay, yeah, gotcha. Um. Yeah, uh, I I think Kira as the intendant is always the most interesting of these characters simply because she's so different. And the way they film her, the way she moves is meant to play up her attractiveness. I'll just leave it there. Like there's that whole body shot where she's lying down in the in the prison yeah. and she turns to the guard and says, I'm bored. Want to do something? Oh my God. What a great <laughs> scene that was. That's I exactly mean, he before was... Nog runs in and bashes uh, the guy over his head. <laughs> no, but do you remember what she said to the guy? Gotta be the coldest pickup line I've ever heard in my life. I forget she said, cause she said, um, I'm bored. Aren't you? She asked him, aren't you bored? I know I'm bored. And uh, she goes, I bet you the two of us could put our heads together and come up with something to do. And he says, you had my wife murdered. And she says, well, what a coincidence. I was just so, sitting here wishing that you weren't married. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, what a heartless, horrible thing to say yeah. to somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I was like, it was funny. It was funny. Right, right. I was like, Jesus <laughs> Like, I was like, they. I wonder how many takes it took them to deliver that line because that was pretty, pretty hard. Right. So, but I enjoyed it. I did. I have to admit, I did enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy all the intended Kira scenes. She's right. she's great. Uh, I like seeing that kind of insidious nature come out in her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's she's, she's the best of the of the bunch, but Warp takes the cake because he's able War, to yeah. work a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seeing Worf elevated to his grandiose status is like the best, in my opinion. I I really did enjoy um, watching him go full Klingon, as you said earlier. Right. Yeah. Well, final thoughts on Shattered Mirror. Now that we are essentially at the end of our hour, I mean, I know we go over a little bit, but hey. Yeah, I feel like I said everything I meant to say. So yeah. Yeah. So I don't think I've ever asked you, but I'll, so I ask you really quickly: How do you feel about mirror the mirror universe and mirror universe episodes in general? Um, I Kira is the best of the group in terms of their alternate 
pers- person. I mean, even O'Brien Smiley is effectively the same guy. He's not all that changed. I think Bashir, as I've said, I think he comes off a little too strong with his, you know, I'm a tough guy routine. Mm-hmm. I just don't buy it. I and mean, it's still Bashir. He's still a skinny little twerp. Right, right. <laughs> uh, Dax, it just feels awkward because she goes from being this smart, you know, intelligent woman from a with a history of the trill to a paramour of whoever's in charge, basically. Yeah. It just feels a little like her character isn't as nearly as interesting as the real version. Uh, but um, even even the other Cisco was 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 a bit strange. I don't know. I never. I wasn't a. I wasn't a huge fan of him. I was sad he's dead, but he's only in one episode, I guess. So. I mean, we don't really get to actually see Mirror Cisco. Um, I mean, mirror episode we, yeah, the very first Mirror episode. But even then, he was like, he wasn't. Oh, he wasn't really effective. He wasn't. I mean, like not until like the very end, you I know. And yeah, he does come off as kind of deranged. I felt the problem with his character is that um, they didn't. I don't think they fully committed to his character being this pirate type. He he didn't come yeah. off as fully. I mean, a pirate is the best version of what to say about it. He didn't come yeah. off as that. He came off as a charismatic guy, but that's because Cisco's charismatic. I didn't feel like he was as a darker version of himself. He wasn't Captain Barbosa from the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. If that's what I'm right. It's not like he could. He was fully committed to this alternate personality, and I don't know if that was the show or the actor. You know, you know I don't think it was. Um, what's his face uh, um, playing him? Uh, it was just. I don't know. They only had the one episode to do with them, so they, that's what they did at the moment. But yeah, other than that, yeah. Well, as I said, I'm not really a big fan of Mirror Universe episodes, mainly just because I feel like they just kind of go, they become so heavy-handed, and it's just, you know, there's so much about them that is overstated. Yes, they have, like, highlight, standout performances. You know, Intendant Kira is probably the best example of this. And even when you go back and look at the other shows and they attempted to do crossovers and like that, I don't think I've seen anybody that's really, you know, topped her. Although Emperor Giorgio in Discovery is... Is also fantastic, but that's Michelle Yeoh. It's hard to like. It's hard to not like Michelle Yeoh. Oh, so okay. yeah, all right. Yeah, very hard not to like her. So that's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, I just don't like it when they just they they just are so. We have to make sure you know that we're like the dark version, and I I don't like it. I've never enjoyed it. Gotcha. But that's it. Um, I just want to wrap everything up by saying that, again, you can watch all of Star Trek on Paramount+. Plus. Um, I'm not, we're obviously not in paid or endorsed by them in any way, but you should uh, still watch them because we talk about them frequently. Um, we are counting down to our 100th episode. This is episode 97 for us, 98, I think. Uh, I this will be 98. Tonight, oh, tonight wow. will be 98. So we've got, you know, Two weeks, basically, to our grand 100th episode, where we are going to talk not just Trek, but like pretty much all things sci-fi, including <laughs> The Expanse. We're going to probably have a lot of stuff about The Expanse, because we will have finished the fourth book, and we'll have so much to go over uh, with you all. So if you are following along at all, go ahead and read it. You've got like two weeks. You can get it done. If I can get it done, you can get it done. All right? <laughs> so um, go ahead. 
get that done and we'll see you back. Well, I mean, obviously we'll see you every single week, but on that grand 100th episode, we're going to have a lot of great stuff to talk about. All right. Yeah. So until then, you can listen to us anywhere that you listen to spot podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify and you can catch our episodes on YouTube as well. If you want to see our bright smiling faces, but until next week, take care of yourselves. Thanks guys.